Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I've been spending a lot of time at SEC Media Days the uh, last few days. Now, I have personally not been there as much as our colleagues, Mike Griffith and Connor Riley, have been. They've been there for wall-to-wall coverage, and the stuff they've been writing at DogNation.com has been excellent. I have been there some in the afternoons in each of those days after I finished this show, head over there to the College Football Hall of Fame just because I kind of want to soak up some of the atmosphere, talk to the coaches and players that I'm able to talk to and rub elbows with some other uh, coastal elite broadcast media types. So I uh, go over there, try to try to do that a little bit. And there's one thing that sort of stands out to me when you're in a room like this, where there are several hundred media members and where a lot of the things being talked about by the coaches and players who are there also generates a lot of attention outside that room there too but within the room there's there's one thing that is fairly obvious to me of the media that's there for media days i think you sort of have two distinctly different groups and you got some people who are honest to goodness true believers in what college football says it's all about and they're they're genuine about it they're authentic about it they think college football is a force for good. They're excited about being a part of it. And they hope to see college football defend itself against some of the obstacles that seem to stand in place of the sport continuing to grow and continuing to thrive and continuing to be what those of us who are in that camp, and I definitely am, what those of us who have been in that camp have loved about college football in the past. We want to see it continue to be that way in the future. And there is a different group of people, and I don't think they're necessarily bad people necessarily, but they are just wired different, it would seem, and they're just a lot more cynical. And when a coach says one thing, this group of people are, I think, more inclined to assume, well, he may say this, but it actually means is something else. And these these coaches get up here and talk about, you know, what makes college football special and what they're trying to do for their team. But they really have selfish ambitions. It's all about the money they can make. It's all about the power they can grab. It's all about doing at the expense of others. And they just sort of view college football from sort of an oppressor versus oppressed type of lens. They just there just seems to be kind of a group of people that are just sort of wired to kind of view college football from that lens. I said before, that's not the group that I'm in. I don't necessarily think the people who are in that group are necessarily bad people, but it is a stark difference of opinion. And it's hard not to notice that when you have a bunch of conversations with a lot of people who cover college football for a living and when you hear a lot of people kind of outside the college football bubble when they talk about the sport there as well i'll give you a perfect example of it something from kirby smart yesterday has gotten a good bit of attention and not all of it flattering for kirby at least from the perspective of the people who've used this as fodder for a hot take so kirby was asked near the end of his big podium session the sec media days you know, you kind of sometimes they call it a car wash because you kind of move from this place to that place to that place to that place. And, you know, the biggest moment of the day is sort of that moment in which it's almost like State of the Union or something like that. You're staying in this big room, uh, like the biggest room in the College Football Hall of Fame. Got a lot of reporters out there. You give an opening statement, you take some questions. And near the end of that big session for Kirby Smart yesterday, he was asked about NIL. And Kirby acknowledged that, yeah, this is the hot topic right now. This is the topic that sort of begins and ends the whole thing. He said something to the effect of that. And they went on a little bit of a long-winded 
assessment of kind of how his program's embracing NIL. And in some respects, Kirby did not hold back on talking about what he doesn't like about NIL as it exists right now. I think this is worth you hearing the entirety of. So I'm going to break this into a couple of clips. Kirby talking about what he thinks is good about NIL and in some respects what he thinks is maybe not quite so good about this new entrance into the sport of college football. This is Kirby from yesterday at SEC Media Days. The NIL program we have in place, we have a Classic City Collective run by Matt Hibbs who does a tremendous job. It's built on being sustainable because I don't think what's going on in college football right now at some places is sustainable, meaning can you do that year in and year out and repeat that? Can you honor the commitment that some people are trying to make to kids to get them to go to their school? It's just it's, it's not good for college football what's out there. What is good? is NIL is good on the basis of what NIL is based on, okay? For Dan Jackson to be a walk-on from Gainesville, Georgia, and come in and get an opportunity to earn money for his education, that is good. For a young man that has a father that's on dialysis down in South Georgia, and he can't support his father unless he goes back home and works or he gets NIL, that is good. We have 95 players right now with NIL deals that are on our roster. That's incredible. So Kirby Smart obviously touting some of the things that he likes about NIL, the, 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 the number of players who are participating in NIL. He says it's 95. That'd obviously be more than the current Georgia scholarship players, the way in which some players are using the NIL money they've gotten, whether it be to take care of a sick family member or to help pay for school. In the case of Dan Jackson, Kirby praising the role that NIL plays in college football there. But he also pushes back on some of what we're hearing right now, saying to the extent that we've heard this, I'm not sure that's sustainable for the future. And that's where the cynically minded folks, their antennas go up and not because of ill motives or anything like that. They just hear that and they say, well, here's a coach being self-serving. Here's a coach who who can't get with the picture and realize that things have changed and there's a new power dynamic in place and, and whatever else. And for those of us who are not quite so cynical in the way we look at college football, we listen to the specific words of smart there and to me that just makes sense i mean there is a there is a degree to which that some of the craziest rumors you've heard right now if they are true even at all and we obviously believe that most of this is exaggerated by a magnitude of about 10 maybe even 100 but certainly exaggerated um but if it's true in any respect whatsoever eventually that bubble's going to burst because these kinds of bubbles almost always do but smart there from the standpoint of there's a degree to which this is unsustainable, but there's also a large degree to which that our players are benefiting from this. And smart says that he's happy about that more from Kirby on what he thinks he sees going on in IL and specifically how it's benefiting the university of Georgia players. This once again from yesterday, there's so much good there. It's the guardrails. It's the parameters that we need to protect our game and not only protect our game guys it's protect young men. Okay, because for you know a young man to uh, we, we may have had the, the highest paid defensive lineman last year in NIL in Jordan Davis. We had the highest paid uh, tight end in Brock Bowers in terms of NIL. Keely Ringo, I would argue, is probably one of the highest paid uh, corners there is in NIL. So NIL can be a good thing, and they can learn to manage money at a young age. But to use it as inducement to get a young man to go to your school is not good for anybody or the game. I don't have the answer for how to guardrail that. But NIL has been good to Georgia, and it's been good to our players, and it'll continue to be. So Kirby Smart says to use this as essentially a pay-for-play format where 
you offer money to get the player to your school and that becomes the primary consideration for where a player goes Kirby says that's not good uh, and there ought to be some guardrails against that and for those of us who are not cynical about college football we sort of see this as a person who's kind of come up through the football system the college football system included trying to protect it for the next generation of coaches and players who are going to do the same kind of thing but there are a lot of other people who see it a completely different way and they don't see you know, altruistic positive motives from smart when he says what he says including shannon sharp the pro football hall of fame tied in now a blowhard talking head on fox sports apparently he sees all this quite different than kirby does and frankly sees kirby a lot different than most of us do who follow this stuff pretty closely this was shannon sharp in response to this on fox television yesterday Kirby, stop giving a damn like you pretending like you care about having these guys later in life you got him for three to four years that's what you care about winning national championship. Now, Kirby Smart didn't have a problem. He said, well, the young guys are coming in and they're making more than the older guys. Kirby Smart, first job as a college head coach, he made $3.75 million. Mark Rick, when he got fired after year 15, made 4.1. He ain't mentioned nothing about that. Young guy coming in making damn near as much as the older guys. Mm. It wasn't a problem. These college coaches, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, all these guys got no problem with coaches' salary going from five, six, eight, ten, twelve million dollars a year. But the player get a little bit of money. So what that means, you know, the little Dodge Chargers and Challengers that y'all been bringing in and the little back alley deals that y'all been doing ain't going to be good enough now. These guys said, okay, what you got for the NIL? I need a hundred thousand. I need half a meal. Yep. You got it or not? So I think one of the things you hear from Shannon Sharp there, in addition to what I think is just garden variety idiocy, is a real misunderstanding of what's actually going on in nil and i think some of the people who've covered this especially at sort of the national media level have done a great disservice to themselves and to college football by creating this perception that would allow a guy like shannon sharp to go on tv and just be so wrong uh you know he says hey you know if i'm a player coming out now it's not going to be good enough for me anymore to get a dodge charger he's uh, uh, alleging cheating in the past which you know, i'm not willing to you know stipulate one way or another but that's the allegation there he says now i want a hundred thousand or half a million or whatever the numbers that he's throwing around and given some of the national reporting that's been out there it'd be easy to understand why a not fully engaged shannon sharp might think that's the kind of money that exists because we've heard message board rumors uh you know amplified that so somehow texas a&m was paying 30 million dollars for its recruiting class or that jordan addison transferred to uh, USC, I believe it was Colin Cowherd who said he got $3 million for doing so. You know, we've seen a little bit more specific stuff related to John Ruiz at Miami. But some of the stuff related to the NIL stuff has been just so willfully amplified by certain media members because it always looks good to see a big number in a headline. So whether it be, you know, National Reporter working for a subscription-based website or whether it be, you know, radio host, whatever else, there's this willingness to amplify some of these NIL figures because it just looks good to have a big number in a story. And therefore, a guy like Shannon Sharp goes on tele- television and, you know, says some pretty asinine, easily falsifiable things. And I think in the case of this with NIL, this is a really good example of that. In other words, you know, we heard from Nick Saban this week that the entirety of his team last year got $3 million. And Saban was saying that in kind of a bragging way. It stands to reason that Saban wouldn't be bragging on $3 million if he knew that Jimbo Fisher was going to come to media days the 
you know, two days later, he'll be there on this Thursday and say, well, Bama got three million. Our guys got 50 million. Our guys got 30 million, whatever else that I think that Saban actually gave you a little bit more of a realistic perspective, even if he's telling the truth when it comes in IL, it's sometimes hard to know if he is or if he isn't. But I think he's given you a little bit more realistic perspective about exactly what this is on kind of a per player basis. This so-called half million dollar deal that Shannon Sharp thinks is going on around there. There's just not a lot of examples of that. In fact, there have been plenty of rumors as of late that Jordan Addison, one of the guys who was rumored to have the biggest NIL deal of all, well, apparently he's not very happy at USC because as you know, respected reporters ha- have mentioned that right now he doesn't really feel like he's gotten his money as of yet, which we told you would eventually happen. And maybe it's as happened as soon as us could have imagined when it comes to Jordan Addison. But that's part of the issue I have with Shannon Sharp here firing back at Kirby Smart using information that I just don't believe is correct. There aren't a lot of people out there cashing in on half million dollar deals or even high six figure deals. And that's why when Smart says, hey, I'm very happy that 95 guys on our team are getting some money somehow and they're using that money to pay for college help sick family members. That's a little bit more of a realistic appraisal of what's actually going on and this sort of glamour world that Shannon Sharp mentioned uh, sort of imagines in the uh, you know the the the, you know, the corners of his mind somehow it's just not quite as much of an accurate representation but Sharp wasn't done spewing nonsense here he is on FS1 again from yesterday I'm gonna start talking okay what you got for me Georgia what you got because let me tell you what Alabama Alabama said they got 1.5 for me mm. you got 1.6 mm. I'm negotiating just like you did, Kirby Smart, to get your deal at Georgia. He did. Man, y'all need to stop. Why all of a sudden now the players start making a little bit of money? You don't care. How you think How you think you got all them top defensive players, all them four and five stars? Let me guess. They just showed up to Georgia out of the kindness of their heart. Now it ain't no more back alleys. Now it ain't no more, hey, the booster go down there and drop this off. Nah, mama don't want no refrigerator. Mama want a house. <laughs> Mama won't live, mama and granny about to live real good. Cause I know if I'd have been a five-star recruit coming out in a time like this here, granny ain't gonna do nothing but fish. My sister gonna have a nice car. I'm gonna have a nice car. Remember I told you, the days of showing up with a moped and old beat up something that make it look like uh, they, they didn't buy. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to school in a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to school in a Tesla. I'm coming to school Range Rover or a Bentley truck. So that's Shannon Sharp there he's saying, you know, Kirby, how do you think you got all these defensive players just out of the goodness of their heart and they choose to come to UGA? Well, it just so happens that N'Kobe Dean, former Georgia linebacker, now in the NFL with the Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, happened to be watching or at least saw on social media what Shannon Sharp said, and he rushed to the defense of Kirby Smart and the Georgia program try to set the record straight after the uh, nonsense from Shannon Sharp. Let me show you this on the screen, what N'Kobe Dean had to say in response to that. He says, I really did show up to UGA out of the kindness of my heart, and I wanted to win. Now, listen. When it comes to which story is more believable, the one told by Kobe Dean or the one spewed by Shannon Sharp, I don't have to tell you which one I find to be the more believable story, the one coming from Kobe Dean, who says, my willingness to want to win, uh, the kindness of my heart to basically choose to Georgia, essentially doing it of his own free will and not coerced by some sort of financial agreement. That's why I chose UGA. And it's kind of funny in a response to that tweet, uh, Jordan Davis's mother also kind of weighed in on this as, as well. She says, uh, Jordan 
Jordan Davis uh, came to Georgia out of the kindness of his heart too. Mama was still pushing a 2008 Scion and financed Honda to drive to all the games. Where was that a back alley? Because I missed that one. So family of Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean there as well, talking about the nonsense there from, from Shannon Sharp, kind of ripping into Kirby Smart, which kind of goes back to what we said before. There are two distinctive groups here. I am in the group of, I think college football really is a force for good. And I think coaches like Kirby Smart, in my genuine soul, as authentically as I can express, I think that they're doing the best they can to preserve this sport for the next generation. And I think they're doing the best they can to try to take care of the players in this sport while they are uh, you know, under their influence. Guys like Shannon Sharp are obviously in a completely different camp. They are cynical they are you know of the belief that all of this is just some sort of form of exploitation but notice this and you can't miss this although it never gets quite as much coverage as it should if college football was such an as exploitative that's the right word uh if if college football was such an exploitative venture if there was this much exploitation going on then wouldn't the players actually play in the sport be doing a lot more complaining What you see on TV, what you read on the Internet is always somebody complaining on somebody else's behalf. But guys like Jordan Davis, who came through this system, guys like Kobe Dean, who came through this system, I don't mean just the Georgia system, I mean the college football system overall, they never seem to be quite as unhappy with what they experience as other people seem to be on their behalf. And that's worth paying attention to. Kirby said a lot of stuff about NIL yesterday, about how Georgia is using it as a force for good. Now, Kirby's also brave enough to say, at the expense of drawing ire on social media, that he doesn't like everything about it. But the message that you shouldn't miss is, is that they're leveraging it for their benefit. Players come to Georgia, you can get paid here. Uh, while you're getting paid, you can use that money for something really important to you, whether it be your education or a sick family member or just some new clothes, whatever you want. Uh, you should not miss all of that. Kirby certainly willing to use this for all the good that it can be done while not being afraid to say there's some parts about this that he doesn't think are good at all. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Good morning to you, and thanks for being with us. No matter how you get to us, live on video today, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref, and, of course, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, everything else, uh, 945 for our first and 15 there as well. We're just really happy to have you as a part of the program today, and we really are so grateful for our friends at Meriwether and Tharp who make it all possible. You know, They're your source for Georgia divorce. And I realize, you know, we're talking college football and we're kind of, you know, going back and forth with what Georgia players are sort of shouting back at a blowhard on TV who may have taken a jab at Kirby Smart in a way that's kind of a fun conversation because it's just sort of fun to get lost in that. But the divorce conversation is something completely different. That's the kind of thing that if you have experienced, you know how troubling it was for you. And if you feel like you're at the forefront of maybe going through that, I know that makes you anxious. I, I just understand all of that. And if I could wave a magic wand and take all that from you, I would. But I can do the next best thing, which is give you a resource that can help you walk through this because they're going to walk through it with you. And that's an important thing, man. Uh, It's important to be able to have expert counsel on where to step, how to go, what to do next, and how to leverage the law to your benefit. Because let's face it, you know, law is complicated. You know, there are lots of sort of uh, important intricacies that kind of you know stem from all of that whether it be your finances relationship with children things like that that's why you want a great strong advocate on your side someone's going to fight for you of course but someone who's going to help educate you there as well and, and and steer you in the right direction so that the next season of your life 
can be a happier one for you, a more successful one for you than maybe you feel like this current season is. That's what my friends at uh, Meriwether and Tharp can do for you. Your source for Georgia divorce, you can find them online at the Atlanta divorce team.com. That is the Atlanta divorce team.com. Make sure you check out Meriwether and Tharp for a whole lot more on that. By the way, Meriwether and Tharp, also a great sponsor for us for our dog nation duck hunt tailgate coming up on September 3rd, uh, noon to three that day before Georgia takes on Oregon. Now our tickets, as you know, are sold out on this, but you also know this i am really hopeful that we're able to like take some of the people who are on our waiting list maybe even all the people on our waiting list at least a, a good number of them and you know get them back on board here for uh or you know get them tickets get them in there and get them a chance to be a part of that so go to dognation.com get on the waiting list so you yourself have a chance to be a part of that that day obviously the food you're gonna get beverage tickets you're gonna get a really cool dog nation duck hunt uh t-shirt gonna have a great chance to hang out with so many of the folks from dog nation stopping by i'll be there the entire time obviously a big part of all of that and we could not do a great event like this if we're not for great sponsors you might if we throw those back up on the screen one more time and give a big uh thank you to our friends at meriwether and tharp kroger our of course the finished long drink rs andrews uh and the seven six apparel all those folks really making this a great possibility for us i'm really looking forward to being able to do that by the way speaking of rs andrews make sure you stick around after the show today for rs andrews cool down live on video rs andrews one you turn to for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs we'll look forward to doing that with you then we're also going to talk to terrence edwards coming up in a couple of minutes too and as a setup for terrence let me address a couple of topics i'm going to speak to terrence about more in detail in a moment one serious one not quite so serious let me do the serious one first there was a very interesting tweet yesterday from an incoming freshman georgia bulldog that was deleted but certainly seems to address some online rumor stuff that has existed over the course of the last couple of days now before i show you this let me just say this i would say that the most challenging part of the job that i have because dog nation is a big platform thankfully uh you all have given me a, a very big audience to to do this show with each and every day i don't really think of myself as a reporter or a journalist but still um you know i want to make sure that that what we do reflects the facts as they're understood and so but at the same time i also want to be having the conversation that georgia fans are currently having and with all that in mind i would say the biggest challenge i face is when rumors pop up what rumor do you address? What rumor do you not quite address? And an example of a rumor that up until now we really haven't addressed at all is somehow there's something wrong with Jaheim Singletary. He's unhappy at UGA. And a lot of Florida fans have been online saying he's going to come back to Florida. He's going to come to Florida. This is a thing that's been going on the last couple of days. As I said before, you know, uh, it's just really difficult sometimes to know, like, what rumors do you shine a light on? What rumors do you provide a signal boost to? Because you just don't want to be irresponsible. Well, yesterday, uh, Jaheim Singletary put out a tweet, then he deleted the tweet, <laughs> which will leave you wondering kind of what's going on here. Let me show you this on the screen here from Singletary. It's kind of the weird thing on Twitter sometimes. Uh, like, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes I can sort of still see a tweet uh after it's been deleted i guess it takes a little while for it to like disappear from the system and so this is what i got yesterday when i clicked on the singletary deal where he says on twitter don't believe nothing if it ain't come from me uh and then he gives you the go dogs essentially saying i'm st sticking with george even though there have been rumors that i might be transferring then he deleted the tweet now i don't know why he deleted it there are gonna be some people who say well there you go if he deleted it, that means he didn't mean it and i simply don't know that one way or another but here's what i do know 
I heard a really interesting uh, comment from Nolan Smith yesterday, and I all this stuff happens, you know, nine million places, so it's hard to remember where where it occurred. But Nolan was telling the story about when he first arrived at UGA, about how overwhelmed he was. He said that, you know, I was looking at Kobe Dean, and yeah, we just talked about Dean a moment ago, and both of them were like, oh my gosh, we're not in high school anymore. You know, going through those, Nicobe told a great story. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nolan told a great story. He said, when I first got here fresh out of high school, um, I thought football began in spring because when spring practice begins because I didn't know anything about these winter workouts. And some of you who've obviously been around for a long time, you know how intense that could be. So imagine the the just the shock and awe of being thrown right into uh, campus winter workouts. I mean, that's really, really tough. That's a big physical transformation that occurs for so many of these players because of how intense these workouts are. And for a guy like Nolan, who's obviously a, you know athletic specimen, the Kobe Dean the same way, uh, Nolan was saying that he and I both were looking around like, where are we at and what are we doing? Are we sure we even want to be here? That's a pretty common feeling, in other words, for incoming freshmen, including guys who go on to be great players. And so I think most of us, when we hear some rumblings and grumblings of, well, did you hear Slim Singletary's not happy? Did you hear, you know, did you hear he's not happy at uh, UGA? I think most of us look at that and say, well, I guess he might not be because a lot of guys aren't when they first get here. That's actually a fairly common thing not to be happy when you first arrive on campus because you are not in high school anymore. Now, I can't say expertly that's exactly what's going on with Jaheim Singletary, but if it was, he'd be far from the first. In fact, the category of guys who come to Georgia get pretty homesick pretty fast because of how intense it is, it's probably much larger than the group of guys who like just make themselves at home right away. Transitioning from high school to college is hard for most of us. But can you imagine how hard it must be there on that? So I'll ask Terrence Edwards about this coming up in a moment about what that transition really is like. Uh, and maybe we'll speak, we'll speak about Singletary in particular. But part of the reason why we haven't given much of a voice to this is it's just pretty common to have some growing pains and homesickness when you first arrive at school. If Singletary did, and I don't know for sure that he did, but if he did, he'd be far from the first. And that doesn't mean he's going anywhere. I'm going to take that tweet as uh, a confirmation of that even though he did delete it um a lot of young guys sort of tweet twitter like it's snapchat and they like to make their stuff disappear sometimes so uh maybe uh maybe that's what that was i honestly don't know one way or another but i did at least want to mention that now on a less serious point before we bring on terrence and i'm really late getting to terrence so i apologize for that but um last thursday when he joined us um we talked really nicely about one of his high school teammates, Takeo Spikes, who was joining Terrence in the inaugural class of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Now, it's not very common on a show like this. We praise a former Auburn Tiger. We don't do that very frequently. We don't certainly do that openly. That's not the kind of thing that we enjoy doing. But I was in a good mood last week because Takeo and Terrence, the former teammates there at Washington County, were going into the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame together. Uh, kind of cool to see a pair of teammates doing that. Terrence and Takeo are very good friends. And on the show last week, Terrence had a lot of nice things to say about what he and Takeo did together there with Rick Tomberlin at Washington County. This is a reminder of just how kind we were to the Auburn guy to Keo Spikes last week on the show. Take a listen to this. Great accomplishment for our, our small town there in middle Georgia and a great accomplishment for Rick Tumbling, our head uh, coach back then. And he was just as excited as we were. And I mean, it's a testament to the work that he instilled in us and the work we did. And, and it goes to our teammates as well. I know Takeo would say the exact same thing. 
So just talking about how proud he was to be Takeo Spikes' teammate. We gave a big platform last week to brag on Takeo Spikes' high school career. Uh, that's a lot of love for a Dog Nation show for former Auburn Tiger. Now, payback for that, no good deed going unpunished. Takeo Spikes is also a brand new analyst on the SEC Network, as you know. He went on uh, TV this week, and after we said all those nice things about him, this is what he's saying about the George Bulldogs. I am completely sick of the disrespect that they're putting on Spentler's <laughs> Let's Rattler's go. Man. I'm telling you, they didn't even play quarterback. Tell them. But let me tell you why, though, because it's so much the element of surprise. We talk about how can a defense prepare for a quarterback that they haven't seen. And that's what Spentler Rattler is going to bring to the table. Defenses can't really say, I know what you do until I get three to four games on the book. When you look at them, they come out and they play Georgia State. Then Arkansas. Of course, of course, Arkansas is going to be hard. But I really got this team upset in Georgia at home oh, in Columbia. I can't even listen to more of that. I, 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 can't even, I can't even hear any more of that. After all the nice things we said about Takeo Spikes, after all the nice things we said, he goes on TV and picks Georgia to lose to South Carolina. And as I told you, I think you actually lost me on that, too. You turned me down on that, too. Am I back now? Not quite yet. Hold on. We'll get there. Hold on. Hold on. Can't hear myself. Um, I don't know if you unplugged the, uh, the, the. Now I can hear myself. Now I can hear myself. So after all the nice things we said about Takeo Spikes, uh, he goes on uh, TV and says those things about the Georgia Bulldogs. Really, really disappointing. Now, as I told you yesterday, I think the Georgia Bulldogs are probably just fine with that kind of talk. They may even use that at some point in time. But is Terrence Edwards a good friend of Takeo Spikes, a guy who touted him last week? Is he disappointed? Let's find out right now as we welcome him in here to a Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. And we'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here and sorry to get to him uh, a real long one today. I got to Terrence very late and I apologize for that. But Terrence, what do you have to say for your good friend, a guy that we touted so openly last week, going on TV, first day on the job, essentially the SEC network, picking Georgia to lose to South Carolina? Say it ain't so, Terrence. Say it ain't so. I, 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 yeah, I. In our group chat with him and my brother, I sent him a text and say, three days on the job, you already made the dog nation <laughs> least favorite right now." So, you know, I, 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 you know, I sent out on Facebook the other day and I told all the dog nation, "Don't worry about Takeo. Uh Once we spank uh, South Carolina, I will take care of him." So, you know, uh, it, it was a good back and forth. But you know, he, he's my brother from another mother. But this take here, I. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what this one comes from, but uh, we, we, we'll have some. And, and people don't know, George Foster is his second cousin, so he's going to get it from me. Wow. He's it Robert. He's going to get it from George Foster. So uh, I can't say anything right now. I can't really I can't really go in because the game has to be played, and uh, they have beat us in the past, so let's not forget about that. But um, after the game and when we win, uh, we will have some fun with Takeo. Yeah, see, you're actually taking a page from Kirby Smart's book. You've heard Kirby say this before, Terrence, that Georgia Bulldogs like doing their talking with their helmet. You don't go on TV and respond to that. You're not doing that on this show here right now. You're saying, I'll wait and do my talking once the result takes place. And at that point in time, then all these tapes are going to be remembered and brought back up. You're actually kind of following the footsteps of what Kirby says this program is supposed to be all about, which is doing talking with helmets. He said that before. So in a lot of ways, you're kind of living into the spirit of the program by, by being that way. Almost oh, deaf. I can't talk right now. The game hasn't been played. Yes, right. we 
are, you know, we are the reigning national champs, but that was last season. We had 15 players drafted. Um, Spencer Rattler is a upgrade at quarterback. And so I'm not going to go too much into it with him right now. But once the game is played and once we win, oh, I will, I will go in on him. I'm sure George Foss is going to go in on him and especially Robert as well. I'm guessing that you must have a lot of these kind of like group uh, text things going on because, like you said, you know, when you play down there in middle Georgia, you got a lot of guys who want to play college football a lot of different places. You played professional career a lot of places too. You get to know a lot of guys that maybe you played against in college that that I'm guessing on a fall Saturday or, you know, moments like this with SEC Media Days, I'm guessing those texts are kind of firing back and forth, whether it be you, your brother, and other Georgia guys kind of banding together or, you know, guys that you may have met over the years who played somewhere else. I'm guessing there's a lot of that good-natured trash talk that's going on in these group texts uh, quite a bit. Uh, B.A. there, you wouldn't want to see some of these text messages that, that flies off during football season. I'm talking about from uh, female friends to friends that didn't play uh, football friends that did play uh, college football to me is just the, the best uh, from professional sports to high school I just love college sports period and this is time of the year where friends uh, become foes and uh, for six months out of the year the trash talk is is, is un- unfathomable what we say to each other then after football season we, we back friends again but during football season uh, no, we, we take no prisoners. No, I think that's really good. Uh, on a more serious note here for a moment, I talked about this before you joined us, which is there have been some rumors this week about Jaheim Singletary. That's a very impressive defensive back on his way into a UGA as an incoming freshman that somehow maybe he wasn't happy at Georgia and maybe he's going to bounce out and go somewhere else. Uh, Florida fans, you know, were kind of uh, thinking uh, it might be them because all they can seemingly hope for is cast off from UGA. But, but, but nonetheless, that had kind of been talked about a little bit uh singletary put out a tweet that he's since deleted uh about saying don't believe it if it didn't come from me and kind of gave the go dogs my point here is not so much what might be going on with singletary in particular because we don't have any reason to believe that anything is necessarily going on with him but in terms of like freshman players arriving and going through some growing pains and kind of finding out that college life is just really tough at least it seems like it would be for for me i've talked to a lot of players shortly after they've arrived at uga and there's some just some challenges with that even like getting around campus is a little bit of a challenge in, in some respects there too so terrence as a guy that was a former college player that trains players who go on to college that knows a lot of guys who are on the georgia team right now you know what is that like when you have those initial growing pains and I guess the notion that the kind of homesickness as a response to that sometimes can be very real. Whether it was with Singletary or not, for a lot of players, it definitely is real. And I'm hoping you can kind of speak to that a little bit for us. Oh, most definitely. You just got to think these are 17, 18-year-old young men, uh, probably first time away from mom and daddy, first time away from their comfort zone, sleeping in their own bed that they've slept in for years. So it, it's a big transition. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that uh, these young guys have issues with uh, or problems with is now they're not the big fish anymore. They're coming to a situation now they have to fight their way back up to the top. And, you know, you, you, you just got recruited by these guys, and they told you how great you are. Kirby was, uh, you know, telling you you're the best thing since sliced bread. And now once you, you got signed, sealed, and delivered, you're on campus – now, the, the real comes out. Let's just keep it real. All the coaches are used car salesmen to get you onto their into their program. And now once you're here, now once you're officially a Georgia Bulldog, you know, now it's back to 
coach. Now you're a coach player relationship. Is I'm gonna coach you to be the best you can be, and now you have to go back and you know and and fight your way back to the top when you was already at the top. So that's that's a humbling situation for a lot of these guys. And um, he's from Florida, so you know Florida and is a little different from from Athens. So there's a lot of contributing factors that could lead to someone being unhappy, and it's and it's not necessary football environment. So. Um, it's tough. I mean, people just were, a lot of us went to college, and now if you haven't been in, in, into the football realm, it's tough. Five thirty a.m. workouts, and I was talking to a group of young athletes at Buck Blue's quarterback camp, and you just don't know your life is, is scheduled out once you get onto campus every day for four years. You've been told where to go, where to be, what time, and it, and it's not for the week. So. uh I, I'm excited about this young man. I think the DB class that we brought in could be the best overall uh, that we've had because I'm very talented young men. But, you know, for the common fan, this is, you know, college football is tough and, it, and it's not for everybody. And I think it's kind of tough on coaches too for a reason that you mentioned a moment ago, which is that, like, I think about some own kids. It's like, I don't want to be too hard on my own kids. But if all I ever did was let them do what they want to do, all they do is lay around. Like, you know, there's a certain point when you, which you kind of got to like push them to be something. Is I think for coaches, there's this dilemma right now of, okay, I got to coach you hard to make you be the best player you can possibly be. But at the same time, um, if I'm too hard on you, then you've got somewhere else you can go. And kind of knowing how to strike the right balance of being the kind of coach that demands excellence for your players without running them off in the process, not an easy time to be a coach as you try to figure out all that kind of stuff. Oh, most definitely. I've had a conversation with several college coaches. And the hardest thing right now is, is that balance of coaching them hard, uh, trying to push them to be the best player they could be. And if a player don't like it, you, you can transfer and you don't have to sit out for this one-time favor, a waiver. So you, you can, you can leave. And that's the challenge that college coaches and even high school coaches right now, youth football coaches is having this, just this mentality of, if I don't like what you say, you owe me, you, you're not doing, uh, what I think I should be doing, we're just going to have ability just up and leave. Now, that's the that's the where we're at in football here. It doesn't matter what level is on. It's happening on all levels. So you got to have that balance of being able to coach them hard. Uh, but I think that there's, there, there's two people that Kirby and coaches have to be. You have to be that coach on the field, but once you leave the field, you have to be – Another person, you can't be that hard coach trying to get the best out of them. Now you got to be able to sit down and relate and and just talk to them as a human being, not the football player. So yesterday we saw Georgia at SEC Media Days. I thought Kirby Smart had some very interesting things to say over the course of the next few days. Look forward to playing a lot of that audio. One of the things was is, hey, uh, Georgia, we don't want to be hunted just simply because of the national championship. We want to maintain that mindset of being the hunter ourselves. And to me, a lot of this was, I think, playing defense against the idea that Georgia, after having won the title, is somehow going to get complacent, somehow rest on its laurels and be fat and happy on the basis of the accomplishments that put together last season. I kind of like the the tone that Georgia struck yesterday. You understand this more from the perspective of coach slash player. What did you think of the overall prevailing message that Georgia through the players and Kirby who was there? Uh, what, what, what do you think of that message that Georgia shared yesterday? Oh, I love it. I think uh, Kirby Smart did an awesome job along with the players just to show them that we're not 
we're, we're just not happy with winning one national championship. We're not going to sit on our laurels and think we've arrived. We understand what it's going to take now. We, we've got that proverbial monkey off our back of 40 years. Um, now we understand. These players understand that. I think he, he understands and the players understand that that was last year's team. You know, this team haven't done anything yet. Those those 15 draft picks are gone. So what are you going to do? What is your legacy going to be? We can't live off Jordan Davis and Nicole Dini. Now the next players have to step up and be those type players. So I like the message, and I'm sure that's been the message this whole offseason because uh, the way they talked about it yesterday, you could tell that Kirby has, has spoke about this on numerous occasions. I think these players uh, – have, have bought me into, okay, last year's over. This is a new season. We have to go out and prove all over again. Can we be a consistent program, not just be a one-off? And I think the players and the way we're recruiting, I think that's going to be uh, the message is, can you be a consistent program with lots of Alabama? Can you co- consistently be in the playoffs and push the fourth time every year? And that's kind of the mantra I think Kirby's heading in. I want to read you a quote here. Uh, This is Stetson Bennett on the subject of a guy you know very well, a Rick Gilbert, who says, this is Stetson about a Rick. He understands getting open in space and the scramble drill. Some guys just don't. Some guys are freak athletes who just stop when you start scrambling. He's working to find space, still getting everything down because it's like he just got here, but he's a really good football player. Like, Terrence, what you hear from Stetson there is something I wouldn't have articulated the same way. But I just sort of feel like I kind of get when I watched Gilbert uh, at G-Day, when I remember back in high school, this is a guy who just sort of seems to understand how to be where the football's going. He has a little bit of a, you know, you always hear that phrase, kind of nose for the football. And that's one of the things that I just sort of feel like I see about Gilbert. There's a little bit of an intuition of even if a play's kind of breaking down, and if there's somewhat of a chaotic thing going on, if I just won't stop, if I just go where I have a chance to find some green grass or put a little bit of distance between myself and the guy who's covering me, that something good might happen for me. You obviously understand this so much better because you know him so well and you also just know the the the, the position of pass catcher so well. But that's a pretty interesting description of uh, Eric Gilbert, is it not? I think so. I think, uh, you know, him being being a wide receiver basically all his life. I know throughout his recruiting process, he wanted to be a receiver. He's always thought of himself uh, as a receiver. He was just in a big man's body. And so he understands those concepts of playing on the outside. Now he can bring those inside the hatches as, as, a, as a tight end. And he's a big man, so I, I know Stetson is not the biggest player in the world. So, I, so Eric figures if I could team to – work and, and flash. Uh, I'm big enough target that Stetson can see me. So, And, you know, he, he just has a good football IQ. Uh, he understands how to play football. He understands the uh, concept of playing tight end receiver, and that's just been a pass catcher. So if I continue to work, um, he's going to get open. I think it also comes from his high school day playing, playing with Harrison Bailey. Yeah. Bailey, you know, playing with tremendous quarterback in his right that, you know, if I continue to work, my quarterback will find me. So, uh, I'm just happy that he's he's doing well. I'm happy he's he's doing much better on and off the field. And um, and his talent, as I keep saying, his talent is undeniable. Is weak. That's something that can't be taken away from him. So I'm just happy uh, that he's doing well. I'm just ready to see him play. Man, I 
I'm telling you that the first game in Oregon, whatever he catches you run through that tunnel, it's going to be just a great accomplishment for that young man. Well, I told you because you asked us not to, uh, we wouldn't overhype him because, as you've said, an All-American season for him is just going to be back playing again, having a good time, enjoying himself again. And we took those words very seriously when you said that. And I feel like to this point in time, we've made good on our promise not to overhype him for the upcoming season. But Terrence, I'll leave you with this for today. I am really excited about him this year. When I think about those guys who truly could be genuine breakout players for Georgia, I mean, Gilbert's definitely on my list for that. And some of the stuff that you've heard from about him yesterday, I think only kind of adds to that. Then when I think about guys who could take just a giant leap forward this year, I think you have to include Gilbert on that list. The fact that he's so commonly mentioned as one of the two or three best tight ends in the country right now along with the Brock Bowers obviously I just think that kind of echoes that there as well that there is a part of me that really does believe that Eric Gilbert could be in line for a truly special season here most definitely man I was just thinking about the tight ends that we do have and in the red zone I know we have some really talented receivers and AD and Ladd and Kiers but I'm excited for us bringing a 14 personnel that's just four tight ends and and using it as a a spread set two by two and having Brock and Eric and Oscar and Darnell, like that's a scary lineup. And you still been able to run the ball and having those big guys on the perimeter to block. So I'm excited to. I mean, as a as a offensive guy and guy that just thinks offensive football, I'm pretty sure Todd Munkin and that crew is just thinking of ways to get all four of those guys on the field at one time, but in a pass set, not just a condensed set when there all those guys are at the line of scrimmage. See what those four guys could do in a two by two or three by one in a not a run down situation in a pass down situation on the goal line. So we got four talented guys like that. That that is a mismatch just waiting to happen. Like, what are you gonna put? Who are you gonna put out there to cover those guys? Small guys, bigger guys. So they have some toys to play with. I'm excited to see what uh the offensive staff do with all four of those tight ends. I think that's really good stuff, Terrence. Excellent. Hey, remind folks how they can get in touch with you on social media, the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, the great work that you're doing there. How can uh, people become more acquainted with that? Oh, you can find me on social media, on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, appreciate your time. Look forward to talking to you again next week, and uh, we'll have you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp again very soon. Thank you. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff there from Terrence Edwards. And, of course, as we speak to you on this Thursday morning, SEC Media Day still ongoing, including Auburn coach Brian Harson, who's been up at the podium today. We'll give you some of what he had to say in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you that we are cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and I'm excited about my own Royal Caribbean cruise vacations coming up. I got a couple of them. Uh, a little bit of a quick getaway in December, a bigger uh, trip there in February and for me every one of these trips kind of starts with perfect day Coco Cay that's the private island right there in the Bahamas uh, such an awesome experience what I love about perfect day Coco Cay is is that so much of what you do there kind of comes at no additional charge like a lot of the food you eat a lot of the you know obviously experience on the beach and uh largest freshwater pool in the bahamas things like that you know so much of this is just no additional charge as a part of your royal caribbean cruise vacation that's why when i'm doing a search for my next royal caribbean cruise i'm pretty much starting 
with ships and itineraries that are going to visit perfect day coco Cay because of the great experience it is you get the chill side you get the thrill side and one of the cool things now is uh, i'm going to take my kids on a cruise for the first time in february and they both have a 10 year old and a seven year old they both have gotten uh like really into uh water slides things like that they just enjoy that a lot most kids kind of do and so with the on the thrill side at perfect day coco okay get the largest uh tallest water slide in north america all this kind of like water slide stuff you get the stuff that's on the ship there as well but when you get to perfect day coco okay you get your own kind of version of that too and big wave pool and i just can't wait to experience all of that with them i i, I have taken my own cruises several times i've not been able to take my kids yet on a cruise but that's going to change here in early 2023 man i'm really excited about that and i'd encourage you to do the same thing i would encourage you to use a great travel agent to book that royal caribbean cruise vacation our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can help you out with that you can find them online tcava.com that's tcava.com you also give them a call at 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 and you can get going on a great royal caribbean cruise vacation here as we uh, head towards the end of 2022 or into 2023 uh go ahead and get that booked and get ready to have a great time because i know that you will all right sec media days is brian harson having a great time my guess is he's facing some questions he'd probably rather not answer after he had to sort of fight to save his job after only one year on the job a little earlier this offseason and the outlook for the tigers on the field for this upcoming year is anything but certain questions of quarterback questions with changeover to coaching staff and just kind of a general overall mess for harson here what's he saying about a lot of that well let's see here a couple of quotes that our, our michael carvel has given us from him uh barrett salee once again uh who we quoted from yesterday but on brian harson saying there was an inquiry it was uncomfortable it was unfounded it presented the opportunity for people to attack me and my family and also my program it didn't work this is harson on the coup to basically oust him as auburn coach let me just say this real quick in defense of brian harson i think what harson's saying there is 100 percent true and i think harson's biggest issue is he's not good enough to be an sec coach but that's not necessarily his fault right it's like if you're at boise state and you get offered the auburn job of course you're going to take it like it's not his fault that he's not a better coach than this everyone's going to try to advance professionally as far as they can and if they fail it's like what is it is the peter principle is that the thing where you like you uh, eventually rise to your level of incompetency well if if that happens that's on the person that hired him it's not on him he's going to collect the uh, payment that comes his way for that so it's not his fault that he's not a better coach than he is it's auburn's fault for hiring him and ultimately the inquiry that went in uh on him i think really speaks to something pretty ugly about the auburn program here because what auburn allowed to happen a bunch of rumors that no one has ever substantiated in any way form or fashion and none of this involved harson in some cases this actually involved other people now what is what are the other people who got kind of mixed up in these brian harson rumors where do they go to get their life back where do they go to get their privacy back you know and and that's where i think booster power play here you know try to lean on some rumors that that you know that may have given them a chance to get the guy out they never wanted to hire in the first place but the fact that auburn entertained these rumors as a way of seeing if just maybe they had some sort of cover to get out from a coaching contract not just because of the money but because of the potential of embarrassment of hiring a coach that failed so spectacularly just one year on the job the fact that auburn entertained these rumors enough to 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 see if it might benefit them somehow 
that's a pretty ugly chapter in Auburn's history, and that's a program with a lot of ugly chapters, and this goes right there, I think, as prominently as just about anything. Some of the stuff they allowed to take place this offseason as a way of saving face for a hire they probably regret. That's not very pretty in this particular case. I don't mind Harson saying what he said. Anything else from Harson right now? Justin Lee, reporter, also saying that Brian Harson's asked about the Vegas over-under of five and a half wins this season. A lot of gambling talk coming out of media days here this week. He says, that doesn't come from the coaches we play. That doesn't come from the players we play. It comes from the media. We don't play the media. Well, actually, in this case, it's coming from the sports books. Uh, but nonetheless, kind of disputing the idea this is a, a five or a six-win uh, team. And then also this coming in from Jimbo Fisher. He says, I have no issue with Coach Saban. NIL is a hot topic. We need uniformity. So all of a sudden, you go from Saban and Jimbo being in each other's throats. All of a sudden, now there's no issue there whatsoever. This was pretty easy to predict that both Saban and Jimbo would kind of throw hot water on the feud that they had a little earlier. I think they know they need to do that. Uh, At least that's what the SEC is telling them they need to do. So that's indeed the case. And incredibly sad here. Uh, This kind of rolling in here, too. You see it coming from the state newspaper uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, that Phil Petty, uh, former South Carolina quarterback, has passed away just 43 years old. I'm reading this for the first time here. Um, And I'm seeing sort of biography biography history on him. I'm not seeing the cause of death here. Uh, uh, Incredibly sad. At just 43 years old, Phil Petty has passed away wow that's a real shocker uh sec fans obviously will certainly remember him there and so our prayers out to the south carolina community the the family of of phil petty uh what an incredibly sad moment to uh, have that come out at a time in which we're really celebrating the the best the most fun parts of sec football the sec media days a figure from the sec's past passing away at way too young of an age uh incredibly sad news there on that so a&M, Auburn, uh, Tennessee, also participating in SEC Media Days. We'll continue to follow what comes out of that event. I also want to give you a couple of more stories. Speaking of the Aggies here, uh, you know Anaya Smith, the uh, Texas A&M wide receiver, really just about a day or so before supposed to be at Atlanta with the Aggies, was arrested on a weapons charge and a DWI uh, uh, charge. And my reason for bringing this up today, I think you should watch this pretty closely. For those of you that like watching this kind of stuff, Watch the SEC Network on this day and watch how much they even talk about this. Now, listen, you know, I'm not saying that Smith should be sort of cast out of society on the basis of sort of one mess up like this. I'm really not. I'm generally pretty forgiving for players who kind of run afoul of trouble. And I'd be open for Smith to kind of work his way back and be a player for A&M this season. I'm assuming that's probably what's going to happen. But he was supposed to be here today and he wasn't. And I think for the SEC Network, this will be a spotlight on that media entity of, you know, are you here to cover the event or are you here to be a PR arm for the league? Because if you're a PR arm for the league, then the kind of propaganda that you might push is the sort of thing that would completely overlook this. Whereas, you know, if you take yourself seriously as a media entity at all, you at least have to mention this. You at least have to to sort of point out the fact that A&M is bringing one fewer player than the rest of the league. And why are they doing that? Assuming that Smith's presence isn't replaced by by somebody else. So from that standpoint, let's watch today and to see how the SEC network covers what's obviously an embarrassing story for Texas A&M, an embarrassing story for Smith in particular. And this is this the kind of thing that gives uh is the kind of thing that that the SEC network shines a spotlight on in any, in any form or fashion. How you do anything is obviously how you do everything. You hear me say that a lot. 
And if the SEC completely covers up this story, if the SEC network does that, then you'd be left to ask, well, what else are they covering up? Uh, and I think that'd be probably a fair thing to ask. Uh, speaking of TV and things like that, I saw where Chris Russo, that's the mad dog, uh, is who's now working at ESPN. I guess he's doing first take there. And so he comes out on TV the other day and says, under no former fashion would he vote for Will Anderson Jr., the Alabama edge rusher, to win the Heisman Trophy. Russo says that he would only give his vote to an offensive player, which is his opinion. He's fine to free to have whatever opinion he wants, whether it's correct or not. He's sort of free to have that opinion. But here's my point. You know, last year we touted Jordan Davis, hashtag JD to NYC. We pushed that pretty hard. And we wanted to see Jordan Davis become a Heisman finalist. He finished just short of that, but uh, he clearly had a great season, and he clearly was a big part of the Heisman conversation, and all of you who helped us with that made that possible. So we certainly appreciate that. But the point here is, is this is one of those things that if Anderson is in line for the Heisman Trophy, even though he's a Bama dude, and we don't necessarily say good things about Bama because there's a whole other media ecosystem that all they ever do is do that so we don't really feel the need to add to that 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 statement's usually been made before we get around to having our turn but the point here is is that if Will Anderson Jr. is in line for the Heisman Trophy I actually do sort of hope he wins it um if it's him versus you know quarterback who might be a lesser player overall I do sort of hope the defensive guy gets it because Part of what drove us to kind of push hashtag to JD to NYC a year ago was the fact that just generally speaking, we think that defensive players ought to be more of an active participant in this award process. That is entirely possible for the best player in the country to be a defensive player. Now, if a guy like Chris Russo says he only wants an offensive player to get it, I guess you give him points for honesty. Most people actually feel the same way. They just don't actually admit that. Most of the voters for the Heisman Trophy truly won't vote for a defensive player very high on their list. Now, Aiden Hutchinson obviously got some of that a year ago. But this is still largely thought to be an offensive playmaker's award, even if the people who don't vote for that aren't as explicit in stating that as Chris Russo was with his comment there. So, you know, to the extent that Anderson's interests don't intersect with Georgia's, I guess I sort of hope he does get Heisman consideration because I do think the Heisman Trophy overall would be a better award the conversation happening around the award would be a more enjoyable one if it did include defensive players especially dynamic dominant ones if it did include defensive players as realistic possibilities to win it i think it would just benefit college football in general so from that standpoint kind of find me pro will anderson at least in that regard speaking of the crimson tide they picked up martavius collins commitment 24 uh, tight end out of the rome wolves program obviously been on a little bit of a run on elite 2024 tight ends as of late georgia did that the other day when it comes to the uh, fantastic uh young player down in cockett county uh Alabama now going up to Rome for their own version of that. The other point here is, man, there are a lot of incredibly deep teams in Georgia of the 2022 season. And Rome, which I know had a little bit of a disappointing campaign a year ago, I think you got to include Rome on that list right now. We've just seen Collins commit to uh, Alabama. You saw Martel Height, defensive back, commit to Vanderbilt recently. Now you laugh at Vanderbilt, but it's still an SEC commitment for another Rome player. You saw a defensive lineman, Stephon Green, recently commit to uh, Clemson. That's all within the last few weeks alone here that when you start making a list of like the deepest teams in Georgia for the upcoming high school season, which, by the way, is going to be here way before you know it. 
and you start making a list of those really truly deep teams in Georgia for the upcoming season, I think you got to make room for Rome in that discussion after the Collins commitment to Alabama there yesterday, going with a lot of big time SEC high power five commitments we've seen coming out of that program here as of late. Finally, there's this. So I saw where uh, KJ Jefferson was asked about the expectations for Arkansas of the upcoming season. And, you know, Jefferson <laughs> gave a specific answer. Uh, uh, it's like, you ever heard that phrase in politics? I guess I'm going to probably butcher this, but um, <laughs> the real scandal, in, I think it's called the, like the Kinsley effect or something like that. Like the real scandal in politics is now when somebody tells the lie, but then they accidentally tell the truth. You know, most of the time in a college football, when you ask, a player, a coach, your expectation of the upcoming season, it's either some sort of like meaningless platitude of we just want to get better every day, or it's this sort of unrealistic expectation. The other day, the Vanderbilt coach uh, said in due time, Vanderbilt would be the top program in college football. That's just absurd. No one even believes that's true. Uh, the guy speaking it doesn't even believe that's true, but that's typically the way it kind of goes when you know folks are asked or they volunteer their opinion about expectations. K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, was asked, Hey, what's an expectation for Arkansas this year? He says, "Hey, we want to win that. Take that next step. We want to win ten games. We want to win eleven games." Now, there is one line of thought. Well, he's kind of putting a lid on the achievement for the program here this season. But the truth is, if Arkansas did go out and win ten games here this year, there'd be a mighty big accomplishment. Another step forward after a couple of years worth of steps forward for uh, Sam Pittman as Arkansas coach. This would be another one of those, and it sort of speaks to. There is just not room right now in the SEC for everybody to be happy. You got a team like Georgia that's expected to dominate the East. You got a team like Alabama that's expected to win the West. The idea that both Georgia and Alabama, as undefeated teams, could meet once again in the SEC championship, that looms as a very real possibility. But one of the most commonly asked questions this week that I've noticed when I've been at SEC Media Days what about after that? What comes after the Georgia Alabama march? Is it Tennessee? Is it Kentucky? Is it Texas A&M? Is it Arkansas? And here's what you know. There are a lot of teams who think they can be that third best team in the SEC who are just going to end up being disappointed because a lot of these teams, as you know, obviously play each other. If K.J. Jefferson ends up being right and Arkansas wins 10, well, who do those losses come at the expense of? If it's an A&M, oh boy, that becomes a very tricky offseason for them after all the NIL stuff involving the 2022 class. If it's LSU, woo, that becomes a little bit of a short honeymoon for a Brian Kelly who was brought to LSU, spent big to get him there as a way of making them a pretty quick winner. That That's what makes the SEC so, so fascinating. Even if Georgia's a bit of a rubber stamp and even if Alabama's a bit of a rubber stamp, what happens beyond that after that is by anything easy to predict and it's a zero-sum game success for one means disappointment for another Arkansas the quarterback who's going to help lead them says we want to get to that 10-win mark if they do they play South Carolina crossover game from the SEC East there are a lot of teams who also have their sight set on improvement not everybody can improve someone's improvement means someone's regression and I can't wait to find out exactly who takes that step back we will make that cruise and run the SEC courtesy of royal caribbean now let me also give you this here for a moment still time for you to nominate some child that you love for our kroger five star kids uh giveaway we're going to start doing on august the first so 
ongoing right now. You can make your nomination. Send your email to info at dognation.com. This can be your own child. This can be a kid in your neighborhood. This could be some child that you know. But there are a lot of kids in our audience who are just doing some really cool things. Big dog fans or just whatever else, serving the community, just being a good neighbor, uh, being a good family member, good brother, good sister, whatever else. Just a lot of great kids in our audience. And last year around this time, as we headed back towards the start of school, we honored some of them. We want to do the same thing again here this year as well. So we'll begin announcing our winners. We're going to draw five winners at random, and we'll begin announcing those winners coming up starting Monday, August 1st. But for now, there's still time for you to get your nomination in. So go to info at dognation.com. Tell us why the child that you know should be our Kroger five-star kid, and maybe they will be one of our winners. Of course, our winner is going to get an amazing uh, package of gifts, including a package of gift cards worth more than $250, or worth $250, I should say, including a big Kroger gift card involved with that, and also a really cool uh, Dog Nation five-star kid t-shirt. So that's all really fun and really cool. So make sure you Send your nomination at info at dognation.com. You can also go to dognation.com for a lot more information if you want to be uh, one that submits a nominee for that. Five-star kids, courtesy of Kroger, can't wait to uh, start announcing winners, but get your nominations in so you can be one of those winners when that time comes. All right, Golden Shoe here. Uh, Obviously, one of the things that goes on around the SEC Media Days, the Paul Pinebaum Show broadcasting live and George on tap sends this to me. He says, probably not the first time, but Connor Riley's going big time, baby. Uh, he's in his local bar there and looking up on the TV. And lo and behold, you see Connor Riley uh, wearing a sport coat, which you know is a big deal, uh, right there on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday. So good job by Connor uh, doing that. He said, great coverage, dognation.com all week. And shouted out by our buddy Georgia on tap for making an appearance and it's always kind of cool when you see one of the dog nation folks there uh, on the tv and uh george on tap enjoying that a local watering hole drinking some finished long drink no doubt as he did uh so good stuff there from george on tap will make you a golden shoe winner here today how about the lousy stinking gators uh they're lucky to get any tv coverage at all right now it's been 4,942 days since they have won a national championship how about our gator hater countdown we are even 100 days I love that. 100 days from now, George, get another win against Florida. That's good stuff. We will see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here either on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comments section at dognation.com. And as we're finishing today's show, I'd gotten a little tip off. This might be coming today, and now it has. Uh, the Kirby Smart contract has been finalized, according to the UG Athletic Department that uh annual base salary for kirby going to be also including supplemental compensation be 10.25 million with annual increases culminating at 12.25 million for the 2031 season i guess the belief here is it may be the uh, highest contract uh for a coach uh, ever and uh lincoln riley right right there in that same conversation so 100 million plus contract here for kirby smart 10 million plus per year annual compensation I think Kirby's earned every dollar of this. I think it's a good thing for UGA in that you can say, hey, young coach entering into the prime of his career, we're giving him no reason to ever look around to go anywhere else but Georgia. It doesn't guarantee that that something couldn't one day be an issue. We've talked about, hey, the idea of a retirement coming a little earlier for him than you know maybe some other coaches would have in the past. Nick Saban obviously is still coaching at 70 is an example of that. You know, maybe, um, you know, maybe that's the case. 
but but in terms of taking another college job, no chance to look around on that or no reason to just given the commitment that George is making to him one day considering the NFL. Once again, you can't guarantee that wouldn't happen. But in terms of you know, thinking about a bigger, better job somewhere else, as most great coaches have had at least one moment in their life when they flirted with doing that, uh, Kirby being at his alma mater, being rewarded as handsomely as he is for the success that he's already had at UGA, you just have no reason to think that would ever take play. So that's what this contract, I think, kind of means. And while Georgia fans celebrate it as a deserving reward for a championship season, I think it comes at kind of an inconvenient time in terms of the overall chatter that exists around college football. There'll probably be some negative blowback to a coach being paid $10 million per season while some in the sport wonder if there's money to pay the players. You, I mean, the sort of paint-by-numbers, boring, uh, claptrap response to some of this kind of stuff. You will get some of that, but I think that UGA fans themselves understand the nature of what this is kind of far better. So that is ongoing. You can read more about that there at uh, dognation.com. Also, our buddy Itchy Z in the uh, comments section at dognation.com, going back to yesterday on the subject of Jamal Jarrett committing to UGA, but the fact that being a big guy, but also bringing some of that athleticism uh, as well. And that's one of the things that's kind of drawn that comparison to Jordan Davis. And it's important to note that when Davis first got here, he was probably nowhere near the athlete that he became by the time his Georgia career came to a close. Now, I'm certainly not guaranteeing that Jamal Jarrett travels a similar path, but Georgia's proven to be good at scouting. They found Davis as a defensive lineman when a lot of folks thought he might be an offensive lineman. Georgia's proven to be, obviously, an expert strength and conditioning program. Bodies transform and change while they are here. Georgia's been great at coaching and development. Guys like Davis more and more productive with each passing year. To try to match that template, it's clearly a reason that Jarrett came to UGA, and it is certainly possible that Georgia allows him to enjoy a progression towards success that is similar to what JD did for the dogs a year ago. That is our podcast, Cool Down, presented by R.S. Andrews. You can find them online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can trust R.S. Andrews on all of that today, and we'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.